God is good. Amen. Well, I tell you, Anna, we bless you and say uh, we love you and bless and hug Stuart for us as well. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Are you guys uh, ready for the Word of God? Amen. I've, uh, I've still got some things on my heart. We've been talking about rejection. It's kind of hard to transition from all that uh, to, to preaching of the Word, but we're going to do it. Amen. So, Father, I pray that you would transition our hearts. I pray, God, today that uh, we would go exactly where you want us to go. And, Father, we just thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, come and saturate our hearts with your word. And, God, show us, show us your heart. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, over the last several weeks, we've been uh, preaching and teaching on a spirit of rejection. How many have uh, are, uh, how many have made a choice to destroy rejection in your life? It's uh, rejection is a um, um, something I believe all of us struggle with. What I'm going to try to do is, in a half hour of time, uh, I'm going to try to uh, recap and. Uh, try to know where to go here, because I tell you, I've got a lot more than a half hours worth of uh, sharing, so will you just pray for me on, uh, so I know where to go, because <laughs> um, I really want to do this justice, okay, I don't want to rush this word, um, I'm seeing a lot of people get set free, I'm seeing a lot of stirring of, of a spirit of rejection, and I have really, and I know you guys as well, we're declaring war on a spirit of rejection. Can I have an amen on that? And I, I'm so sick of a spirit of rejection where it makes people feel that they're unimportant, they're not cared for, they're not valued, and uh, and so we're uh, we're working on destroying that. So, um, <clears throat> so we'll just uh, see where the Lord takes us. Amen. Because obviously the Spirit of God is is directing our services in many different re- ways. Even last week I didn't preach. Because the Lord testified, and there were several testimonies, and there is power in testimony. Amen? The Bible says in Revelations, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives even unto death. And so we need to share the testimony. I'm thinking of Keisha's testimony this week, and how, you know, here she was just in her normal day of life, and God uses her to go pray for somebody in a nursing home, and what I, I, how many got that testimony on, in the email? Was that I, just an abbreviated testimony of that? Um, somehow, some way, uh, a nursing home gets her name as a contact person for a dying person, and she goes and prays. Now, I want you to realize God has transformed Keisha, and she has been and she has tra- been transformed by the power of God. She was a woman who could not pray for people in public. I, I can remember a time where to, to pray out loud, she would have uh, she would have done it. She would have backed in a hole. But through much of the uh, through the years of, of discipleship and through the the prayer class that we have here, through the treasure hunting, man, she boldly went to to a nursing home and prayed for a family, as the spirit of God was dealing with her heart and God moved. And uh, there is power in our testimony. So we want to continue to share testimonies. Amen. And God did that last week. He moved in that way, and he wanted those testimonies shared. And I, and I, I just want to share testimony that, that God is, is moving powerfully right now. Do you guys sense it and feel it? 
is moving in people's lives. And even in this area of rejection, God is moving. And so kind of where I want to go today is um, uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to know how much to, to synopsis and brief. Because the first week we talked about what rejection was. And then the, the, the following week we went into what are the strongholds? What are the things that keep rejection from having its legal right in us? And so la- two weeks ago, we, we, we talked about how, how unforgiveness, unforgiveness of people keeps a spirit of rejection. It, keeps it, it, it gives it its legal right to have authority in your life. When we don't forgive people, when we don't lay people down what the, the offense that they brought to us, it literally gives that spirit of rejection a legal right. And so I'm just going to go with, if, if Elizabeth, you can get my uh, PowerPoint up, we're going to just go, and we're going to go through the steps that we went through two weeks ago, and I want to take that farther uh, today, and we'll just see how far we get. We may not get very far, but we'll, we'll try to. <clears throat> Is that okay with everybody? I hope you guys are taking notes, because I, I promise you, you will go back to this over and over and over again. Um, the, um, the spirit of rejection will not ever leave you alone. Did you, did you guys realize that? It will always hound you. It will always pursue you. And we have to take its authority and we have to destroy its authority and we have to get freedom of it. Amen? And so last time we, sh- we shared, we, we talked about the steps to refusing rejection. And <laughs> where I'm struggling with right now as I'm sharing the word, I know there's a lot of people that are here today that haven't even heard the first two messages. And I'm sitting here going, gosh, do we really understand what rejection is and, and I, and, and in our lives and how it operates in our life? And so I'm, I'm struggling with whether to share a little bit on what rejection is so that we all get on the same page. And I'm just kind of warring inside. Do you feel that going on inside of me? I'm, I'm struggling really bad right now. So, Father, I just stop right now, and I'm going to trust you on what you want to do. And so, Father, I'm going to quit my struggles, and I'm going to just ca- cast it all on you. Father, we come against a spirit of rejection. We take authority over it right now. And Father, I thank you that you are giving us a war plan, a a, a strategy of freedom. Father, we have played with this spirit way too long. We have allowed it to be in our lives way too long. Is anybody with me? We have felt rejected. We have felt like, God, that we are unimportant. And God, I thank you that you are moving in. And I just sense even, even now, God, that, 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 that the rejection that has come through our parents, the rejection that has come, has come through even classmates, Father, that there has been rejection that has been generational. And I thank you, God, today that there is a process that you're taking us through of deliverance and freedom. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, help us. Move with us today and give us freedom in the Spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we must re- recognize rejection in our lives and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and how if we don't recognize it, we cannot deny that rejection is there. One of the things that I want to remind us of is there are times we get rejected and we are actually being rejected by people. It's how you respond to rejection that makes whether that thing is going to get a, a deeper hold on you or not. But most rejection that I've experienced in my life, it's perceived. It's what I think. I think I'm being rejected. It's like when you go to the when you're not invited to a party and you you feel like you're being rejected, but it's really not that you're being rejected. It's just 
you weren't invited, you know. It's like my son, when he had his wisdom teeth taken out, and he felt like nobody cared when, when his wisdom teeth were taken out. It really wasn't that he was being rejected. It was perception. And so most rejection in our life is perceived. There is that rejection that is there that, is, that, that people do reject. There, there, there are times where people reject us. And I'm not, in this message, I'm not addressing th- that aspect. Hopefully I can get to that later on, how we're, to, how we're to respond gently when we are rejected, how we're not to backlash and use anger and all that kind of stuff when we are rejected. That only gives it a deeper foothold. But these are some of the steps we walk through. We recognize rejection in our life. We make a decision to overcome rejection in our life. And that's kind of where I think we've been over the last several weeks. There is more and more people in this congregation that are making a decision. You know what? I am going to lay a root to that spirit of rejection. And I can just sense there's a momentum. There's people who are taking it serious. And so then last time, we again, we asked the Lord, where did rejection get rooted in our life? We showed a video. And that video showed Adam Sandler, I think that's his name, rejecting his children. And then it showed him rejecting his natural father. And after that video, we just took a time of praying, saying, God, where did that kind of rejection get rooted in my life? And there were things that come up. And I tell you what, I took, and, we, and, and then that fourth step that we did is we made a choice to forgive the people that rejected us when we were young. Because we're trying to remove the legal rights that rejection has had over us. And so we forgave people. You guys remember doing that two weeks ago? We forgave people. Was it powerful? Did anybody let go of some people? I took every one of those home and I burnt them. I burnt every one of those names. I laid my hands on them. I prayed over them. And I just began to rebuke the the soul ties and the, the, the holds that those people had had on the people of this congregation. And I burned them in my fire pit. I said, no more. But you know what? There's still going to be opportunity for you to forgive. Do you realize that? There's still opportunity. And, and, and one of the things that, that if you're still struggling with unforgiveness um, towards anybody, I want to remind us that unforgiveness is a chain that gives a spirit of rejection a legal right to your life. Do you hear me? Unforgiveness, again, is a chain that is tied to you that gives that spirit a legal right. So when you do not forgive people, it allows that spirit to hang on to you. Now, I really want to encourage you to go to Matthew 18 this week because Matthew 18 in verse 21, I think it's 21 through 34, it talks about the unforgiving servant. And in that passage there, I would have shared it today, but I I, I really felt like we dealt with unforgiveness last week. But if you're still struggling with unforgiveness, this passage is powerful because it talks about in that passage how that if we don't forgive people, it releases the tormentor against us. And and it's exactly what I'm talking about in how it gives it its legal right. Now, is Mark Robinson here? Is Mark here today? He's not here today? Okay, so we can't do that thing. Okay. So we're going to go in today, and we're going to move into step five of what do we do with a spirit of rejection. Okay? You guys with me today? Lord, help us. What I was going to do today, well, let me just go ahead and go into, just go in a little further. Step five, and we started it a little bit two weeks ago when we asked God 
uh, and we released people and we forgave people. That was start of it. Well, we're going to start taking authority over this spirit of, re of rejection. We're going to actually, together, corporately today, take some authority over this spirit, and we're going to begin to renounce and bring it down. Does anybody want to do that in their life? I, I Really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lead us through steps, because you know what? When it comes to a spirit of rejection, spirit of fear, all, all kinds of strongholds that we have in our life that are keeping us back from our destiny, this is the same process that we need to go through anytime we need freedom in our life. And we are in a season of deliverance as a church, and we really need to take our deliverance serious. Can I have an amen on that? So we're going to take authority over a spirit of rejection, and last week we started that process by forgiving the people on our list, and now I hope that you're ready to go to the next level. So that's where we're going. We're going to go to the next level. We've played with that spirit way too long. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to take authority over a spirit of rejection? Good. I hope you are because I am too because I'm tired of allowing these things to take down our relationships. I'm tired of it keeping us back from our destiny. I'm tired of it ruining marriages. I'm tired of it ruining relationships and all that kind of stuff. Amen. And so we're going to uh, take some authority back. From this spirit, the seducer and deceiver, because as we've talked about it, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12 says, but we wrestle with principalities, powers, and darkness uh, uh, in, in the heavenlies. And so we're going to go to step five, and we are going to make a choice. Okay, so taking authority over a spirit of rejection, step five. I've got up here today, we're going to choose repentance. Now, I've got choose repentance as a step. And I'm going to lead us through a time of repentance today, but I, I want to explain what repentance is because I really believe the body of Christ thinks repentance is confession, and we don't really have an understanding of what repentance is. So I'm, I, want to, I want to go into what repentance is, but if we refuse to repent when the Spirit of God begins to deal with our hearts, guess what we do? We do harden our hearts. But we also, again, just like unforgiveness, we give a spirit of rejection legal right. Everybody say legal right. legal right. When we refuse to repent, we give legal right to a spirit of rejection. Now, I'm going to explain this here in a little bit. We give, that, we give it a right to operate in our life. We have played with this spirit. I am so ticked off at a spirit of rejection. Is anybody tired of it? And we don't realize that when we don't obey God, when he deals with our hearts, we're literally giving the enemy authority to operate in our life. Now, what I was going to do, unless Mark's hard, he's not here, but I have this dark cape. And a dark cape and a chain, and Mark Robinson was going to have somebody connected to the chains. And here's the picture that I want to pick. I'm going to take you into a picture. Are you guys going to go with me here? Okay, so imagine Mark is so tall and he's big, and I had this black cape representing the enemy. And Mark was going to stand here with the hold of the chains, and the chains were going to be on somebody's arms. Let me go, let me go. Because that's what Satan's doing with us when it comes to a spirit of rejection. He has us chained with rejection, and we're wanting free, and we're saying, get me free, get me free, I want to be free, I want to be free, but those chains are legally there. 
Those chains that are on your arms concerning rejection, they are legally there. And so just like unforgiveness, if I'm going, if I, if I, if I, if I choose to obey the word of the Lord, because the Bible says to forgive men when they sin against you. Is that not what the word of God says? And so if we forgive and let go of the rejection that we've had and we forgive people, that chain begins to loosen and it, and it no longer has the authority. Well, the same chain is on the other arm is this chain of what we're talking here, of repentance. And so I want to go in today, what is, what do you guys think repentance is? 180. We've heard that all of our lives. 180, right? Turn around. Make a change. Well, I want to go into what repentance is today, and I want to do a little teaching on repentance because I don't think we ever get fully to repentance. And I'm going to show you why. You guys with me? Okay, what is repentance? There's the Greek word. I won't even begin to try to pronounce it, okay? We'll let you try. Metanoia. Okay. I'm going to take us somewhere, but when you take that word into the Greek, it, the literal meaning of it is compunction for guilt. Now, I have to admit, I had no clue what compunction. Is it compunction, punction, what's your function? Picking up cars and giving them function. No, no. It's not the right. I had no clue. Does anybody know what compunction means? No, I didn't either. Compunction. It's compunction for guilt. A pricking of conscience and a sharp feeling of uneasiness brought on by a sense of guilt, of your guilt. Everybody say, my guilt. Say, my guilt. Not Eric's guilt, but whose? My guilt. A feeling of regret for something you have done. Okay. Now, it goes further. That's just the first part of the definition. Okay, so again, compunction of, uh, for guilt. A pricking, coming from the Holy Spirit, pricking our hearts of conscience. A sharp feeling of uneasiness. Sharp feeling of uneasiness. Okay. Brought on by a sense of your guilt, a feeling of regret for something you have done. Now, I went a little further with this. It also means to feel sorrow for sin that you have done. That causes you to turn and change your direction and your thinking. It changes my thinking. Here's what I see most Christians do. Now, I'm going to put this in context to rejection, okay? When we think of repentance, we think of repentance as, I went out and I drank, and oh God, forgive me. I confess my sins and I repent from a thing we did. Is that not true? Okay? And I think most people, it is... They go to repenting and, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. But it's really God, I'm sorry. It's really not sorrow. That's where we're going to go today. So to feel sorrow for sin that you have done that causes you to turn and change your direction and your thinking. Here's some other words that describe it. We're going to get into this pretty deep today. Sorrow. Deep mental suffering. Anybody had any deep mental suffering for anything that you've done lately? 
I'm ta- I want to put this in the context of rejection because I'm talking about when you reject other people, do you have a deep mental suffering for rejecting others? Or when, when a spirit of rejection is trying to eat your lunch and you're buying the lies and you're coming in agreement with it and you're getting angry and you're going through all those bad things that you always go through when it comes to rejection, is there any deep mental suffering of God? I am so sorry that I'm coming in agreement with that thing. I am more concerned about what people think than I am what you think. Is there any of that that's going on inside of you? See, that's what I'm talking about. God is wanting to produce godly sorrow in us over playing with this thing, of playing with this spirit of rejection. He's wanting to put a a deep mental suffering and causing deep sorrow to come in our hearts because we've rejected each other in this church. We've rejected our families, our spouses, our people and our jobs. And if we're going to get this thing off of us, there's got to be something that we cooperate with heaven where God, we allow God to begin to develop godly sorrow in our hearts that we can truly repent and turn and change the way we think. Because God's trying to renew our minds when it comes to a spirit of rejection. He is trying desperately to bring deliverance to us so that this spirit no longer hangs around New Covenant Worship Center. That this thing no longer hangs around the Haler household. That this thing no longer hangs around and is not welcome because it has no legal right to operate where I work or at school or wherever I'm at. Does anybody want that? Well, it's going to require godly sorrow. It's going to require godly, because the Bible says that godly sorrow brings repentance. Say that with me. Godly sorrow brings repentance. And so sorrow, what is sorrow? It's deep mental suffering caused by loss or disappointment from what your actions have caused. I have hurt people, guys. I've made people feel rejected. Anybody else? I've played with that spirit through my life. Grief, intense emotional suffering from what you have done. Sadness, a sorrow caused by a specific specific loss. You guys seeing something here about your actions, what you have done? Here's what I find that we do as Christians. Golly, when rejection's running loose, when it's running rampant, you know what? We're waiting for somebody else to repent instead of us. I'll repent to you once you repent to me. Once you tell, you know, if you would have done this or you let me be a part of that, you know, we're waiting on other people to allow, we're wanting everybody else to do it before we do it. You owe me. And, and, and so once, once you repent and come clean how you've hurt me, then, then I'll, I'll come clean on how I've hurt you. Are you guys with me? God help me on this. Ooh, I'm all choked up. Ooh. Romans 2.4 says, God's kindness leads me, leads you to repentance. Everybody say that. God's kindness leads you to repentance. God will lead you to repentance, but you have a choice to follow it. 
God's kindness leads me to repentance. So, Father, I ask that you would today lead us to repentance. Can you just say that, God, lead me to repentance? Say, I don't know what it is exactly. But, God, I want to be led to repentance. And I thank you for your kindness in Jesus' name. Okay, so if God's kindness leads to repentance, and godly sorrow brings repentance, it's his kindness that's leading me to it. Right now, God's kindness is leading us to repentance right now if we want it. And now God's, and then, and then godly sorrow, it says, brings repentance. So I just want to pray right now before we go any further. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need your help today. Father, we do not really understand what repentance is. We understand, God, maybe what sorry is. But Father, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for leading us to repentance today. And I pray this week and today that, God, you would begin to do a work in our heart of producing godly sorrow that will begin to be stirred in our hearts for what we have done, how we have cooperated with the spirit of rejection. God, that you would begin to bring intense sorrow from heaven into our hearts right now that will give us the power to repent and to turn and to change the way we think. So Holy Spirit, right now in this congregation, I'm asking God by, for a move of your spirit that you would begin to produce godly sorrow in our hearts. That we would open ourselves up and begin to see what we have done, what, what actions we have taken when it comes to a spirit of rejection and how we have cooperated with that monster that will give us the power to repent so that it will change our lives and change the way we think. So God, as we get into your word right now, I pray that you would begin to illuminate your word, show us our path, and God, I pray for the conviction of your precious spirit upon our hearts. Because God, I am sorry for cooperating with this monster. This demon from hell that comes and lies and seduces us. Father, help us with godly sorrow today. Do you want it? Ask for it. God, give me godly sorrow. God, open my eyes and let me see your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Yes, so here's where we're going to go. I'm going to give us some examples of godly sorrow. I'm going to give us some examples in the Word of God, what godly sorrow did, and how the Word of God shows what godly sorrow is and what earthly, human flesh sorrow is. What I believe is we never get out of earthly, fleshly sorrow. We never move into godly sorrow. Very rarely, if we did, it would change our life. There would be fruit in keeping with repentance. So when a husband is cheating on his wife and he, godly sorrow is generated and he comes and, he, and, he, and, 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 he, and he's broken that gives the woman power to forgive and to release so the relationship can be restored. It's powerful. True repentance is powerful. And it breaks the legal right the enemy has to eat your lunch. 
God, give us this. I'm t- this, is t- this, is, this is a key, I'm telling you, to breaking off rejection all your life, off your life. Amen. So let's read in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, an example of godly sorrow with Paul. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And here we go. Even in uh, what I will say. Okay, let me give you just a little history before we read it. Don't read it yet. Going to give you a little history, okay? Paul is talking about a letter right now that he wrote to the church in Corinth while he was in jail. This, this, this book that we're, the, the letter he's talking about right now is one of the lost letters of Paul. Paul wrote four letters to the church in Corinth. The first letter and the third letter have been lost. The second and the fourth letter are actually our books of First and Second Corinthians, okay? And so when you read First and Second Corinthians, you're actually reading the actual letter of Paul, his second and his fourth letter, to the church, okay? But when, when we are talking right here on this letter, this is about a letter that we don't have. So we don't know the context of it. The first, first Corinthians, which is actually his second letter, is actually where Paul is correcting the church for, its, for all the garbage that's going on there, and he's correcting them. And in 2 Corinthians, he's then correcting them about false teachers. And so this letter, we don't know exactly what he was correcting the church on, but guess what? God is correcting us right now. When it comes to a spirit of rejection, the Spirit of God is highlighting that we have a problem in Houston, right? And the Spirit of God is bringing correction to us, and he's saying, guys, you can't cooperate with this spirit any longer. We could actually say Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in in Newcastle and saying, guys, this spirit of rejection is eating you alive, and I want you to do something about it. Okay, so let's put it in that context. That's what's going on right now. And, and we as a people have to get serious about the letter from Paul or from God correcting us when it comes to a spirit of rejection. And so now we have this letter as an example of how Paul was bringing correction to the church in this letter. And this is what happens. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter because they were upset at the letter he had wrote. He said, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what? Your sorrow led you to repentance. You cannot have repentance, true repentance, without godly sorrow. It is impossible. So what we do is we repent all the time without godly sorrow, and it's not repentance. It's going through the motions. It does no good. But he says, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended. Do you guys realize God is trying to lead us into godly sorrow today. That's what his intent is today for us. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way. Whoops. 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 Read this with me. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. 
but worldly sorrow brings death. We're going to stop there. Most of us stay in worldly sorrow, just like my kids. I correct them, try to lead them to realizing what they've done wrong. I sorry. I sorry. And they go right back to doing what they've done. Is that or not a condition of the body of Christ? I sorry, God. And we go right back to doing it. Okay, now look what it produces. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Now look at this. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. This is what godly sorrow should produce in you. What earnestness. I've got it underlined so you know what we're looking for. What earnestness. What eagerness to clear yourself. Not me worried about me getting you cleared or me correcting you or me trying to make you finally get repentance. But to clear yourself. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done for my actions. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. What was going on with this church? Godly sorrow was making some really changes in their heart where they were wanting to clear their sin. They were wanting to make their wrongs right. Godly sorrow was doing something inside of them that they wanted to make it right on every point. Godly sorrow is not, I'm sorry. Can I have an amen on that? Godly sorrow led the Corinthian church to leave no regrets. Everybody say, leave no regrets. It produced in them an earnestness and an eagerness to what? Godly sorrow's not, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, what happened, Elizabeth? I got more slides. Station identification. Here's what goes on. I'll go through them. Godly sorrow led the church in Corinth to clear itself, not others. Here's what we do in the church is we are so busy about other people's business and what they need to repent of that we don't do the repenting ourselves. It brought indignation. Now, the word indignation there is a righteous anger for justice to be made to who they had hurt. There was this righteous indignation that began to well up that was produced by godly sorrow where they wanted 
the, the, the justice of the Lord for what they had been doing as a church, for where they had been failing. They wanted, there was this righteous indignation that rose up where they wanted to clear the slate. They wanted to make their wrongs right. There was something in them where, God, I've got to make this right. Alarm, longing, what readiness to see justice done, to prove themselves innocent of the matter. So that's what godly sorrow will produce. It will produce in you. It will not be, I'm sorry I got caught. I think of David when he cheated with Bathsheba and he took her as his wife and he had her husband killed. And Nathan the prophet came in confrontation to him and he confronted him with his sin. David, it said, he repented before the Lord and said, Lord, I have sinned against you. And it says in the word, <laughs> it says, for seven days he laid on the ground in deep sorrow for what he had done with tears. That's godly sorrow. Anybody been laying on the ground for seven days lately? Fasting, not eating a thing because you had this deep sorrow in your heart of how you've played with a spirit of rejection and how you've rejected other people through your actions. He refused to eat. He refused to be comforted. Deep repentance fell on him. Read Psalms 51. I was going to read it today. It's 1208. I can't. Read Psalms 51. It's where David cries out to the Lord. He confesses his sin, but he calls on the grace and the mercy of the Lord. He realizes it's God's kindness that leads him to repentance. He starts off with Psalm 51. Your kindness is better than life. And he goes on about God's kindness and his mercy. He, he starts right where it needs to be. You are bigger than I am. And then he begins to confess his sin. He then works through godly sorrow. He then begins to work through uh, the, the repentance and laying it out before the Lord. He was doing everything he could to clear what he had done. Read Psalm 51. This week, here's another scripture you can read. Luke 22, 61 and 62. Write that down. It's, it's the story about Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter, do you love me? Oh, yes, I love you. Oh, before the crock crows, you will deny me three times. <laughs> me? The cock crows. And it says, Peter wept bitterly. You know what that word bitterly means in the Greek? Violently. And it led Peter to repentance, and it, it, and it proved out because he began to feed the lost sheep of Israel. prodigal son in Luke 15, he repents and comes back to his father's house and does not even want to be called a son. Doesn't even want to have his rights restored. I don't deserve anything. I've hurt you, father. I've walked away from your ways. And he repents with his mouth. And godly sorrow was in his heart. He said he had no rights. He wanted to clear himself. He wanted to do whatever it took 
to make things right from what he had done. Second Timothy 2, 23. You guys still with me? Come on, give me a little more time. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, but be, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, I believe that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to gently instruct you today in the hope that God will grant you repentance today. That godly sorrow will be produced in your heart that will lead us to repentance in this journey of overcoming a spirit of rejection. That it will lead us to a knowledge of the truth of God's word. And that we will all come to our senses and escape the trap of the devil. Your spirit of rejection is a trap from the devil. Hello. But it's going to take godly sorrow to lead you to true repentance. And true repentance will produce fruit of you, everybody say me, wanting to clear yourself and make things right with people. We're getting ready to show a video, and I think this shows, it's another video that shows how when this man repents to his commanding officer, he, he may not be weeping, and all that kind of stuff. But he's trying to clear himself for the wrong he had done. As he had betrayed the authority of his commanding officer. And this is a picture of godly sorrow leading to repentance. Because God wants us to repent. And he wants us to repent to people. Everybody say, to people. Amen. Elizabeth, if you could show this little video clip. May God use this to develop godly sorrow and how we are to repent. You're going to have to back that up and start it again. Because you missed a, a big part of it. Can you start it over again? Get that volume up because it's pretty quiet. Dismiss me. I denounced you to the Paris prefect of police. I swore that you were a convict. 